Well, this is the weekend where we wrap up, and I'm kind of sad about this. We wrap up this series that we've been in for six weeks on what's the difference between just keeping a house, going through the chores, paying the bills, keeping the pets, and then building a Christian home. Socially, I want to close the series by just distinguishing some differences between a house and a home. A house is about structure. A home is about the people inside. A house is just about what's under the roof where a home is a refuge. Money can buy a house, but no amount of money can buy a home. A house is just about real estate and value, where a home is about relationships. A house is about all the belongings that fill it, the furniture, the knickknacks, the artwork, where a home is about belonging. And then a house is fixed. It has a permanent mailing address, but a home is fluid. A home can be camping in a tent. A home can be in a car ride together or on vacation somewhere or out on a walk or hike because home is wherever the family is. Spiritually speaking, now from Holy Scripture, there are six biblical guidelines that we have been unpacking that help us not just keep a house, but build a Christian home. Week one was the most important, and that's the foundation. God has already laid that foundation in the person of Jesus Christ, and it's about building our homes upon that rock. Then we talked about communication in the home, that God says, speak the truth in love. Not just what we say to one another, but how we say it. Week three, we talked about the need for forgiveness to take out our trash with one another because we have a God who has taken all of our trash and put it on his son. Week four, we talked about commitment. Commitment is the mortar that holds the family together. Commitment starts with commitment to the marriage. And then after that, it's commitment to every person in the house. And then finally, it's the whole house living in commitment to Jesus Christ. Last week, Pastor Micah talked about surviving storms because no matter who you are, Christian or non-Christian, the storms of life will hit your homes. But we have to trust God in the storms because even in the hardship, God is working to make the me that he wants, not the me that necessarily I want. And today we're going to talk about biblical guideline six, and that is what is a truly welcoming home. How many of you have a pad like that that's from our house somewhere on your front deck or step or maybe at the garage door? Maybe you have it hanging on a wall inside of your house somewhere just saying, hey, welcome. There was a perspective occupant who emailed a hotel 
in a destination city, and the man's email said this. He said, I would very much like to bring my dog with me. He is well-groomed and very well-behaved. Would you permit me to keep my dog in the hotel room with me? The hotel owner replied back, Dear sir, I've been operating this hotel for many years now, and in all that time, I've never had a dog steal towels or bedding. And I've never had to evict a dog for drunk and disorderly conduct. And I've never had a dog complain about the quality of service here. So yes, your dog is welcome at my hotel. And if your dog will vouch for you, <laughs> you are welcome to stay at my hotel too. As we lean into building a welcoming home, we're going to go back to the Old Testament from the passage that Joyce read to Genesis chapter 18 and talk about one of the many pictures of Father Abraham in the Bible. The Bible pictures Abraham as a sojourner, a rescuer, a herder, a tither, an intercessor, a husband and father and covenant receiver and especially a believer in God and his promises. But there's one that's often left out that I would like to add to the list, and that is in our text today, Abraham is pictured as quite a welcoming host. Let's take a look again, dive into these words from Genesis 18, verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing before him. He ran to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. Three men suddenly come to visit Abraham. Later in chapter 18, we're told that two of the men are angels. So who's the third man? What's the first two words? The Lord appeared to Abraham. Does anywhere else in the Bible God come and appear in a full male form? Does this not set up the incarnation of Jesus Christ in the New Testament? This is probably the pre-incarnate son of God in human male form. So Abraham sees these three visitors in a very respectful way, in hospitable way. He goes and he falls on the ground before them to welcome the surprise guest. Then Abraham says this in verse 3, O Lord. In the Hebrew text, the way that is pointed, that word is only used for God. So Abraham has some understanding anyway that this is the Lord himself before him in human form. Oh Lord, if now I have found grace in your eyes, do not pass by your servant. 
Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that you may pass on. So these visitors said to Abraham, do as you have said. It's a picture of Abraham as a gracious host in a very hot, very dry Mediterranean climate in the heat of the day. Abraham says, let me get you some water, not just to hydrate, but customary then in the culture to wash their dirty, hot feet. And let me just go get you a little bit of bread. You've got to get some fuel in your body so you can continue the next day. And then as host, Abraham offers these visitors the finest air conditioning of his day. He offers them to sit under one of the giant oaks of Mamre on his property. This is a picture of one that is still preserved in Palestine. It is gated so that you cannot go touch it or destroy it in any way. But this giant Mamre is several hundred years old. And you can get a picture for the enormity of the shade that this would offer Abraham's guests. Now, if you have three surprise visitors come to your house and you want to give them a five-star Airbnb experience, what do you do as the man? You go get the wife, right? You get her on this as quick as possible. Let's see what Abraham does. So Abraham hastened to the tent to get Sarah, smart man. And he said to his wife, hasten, three sias of choice flour, knead it and make cakes. There's a lot of running here. And then Abraham ran to the cattle and literally he took a son of the cattle. We translate that a young bull, tender and good. And he gave it to the lad and he hastened to make it. And then Abraham took curds and milk and the young bull which he'd made, and he set it before the visitors, and he was standing by them under the tree while they ate. Notice that Abraham wastes no time and no expense preparing a lavish feast for these visitors. Three seahs of flour. One sia was between seven and eleven quarts. So by telling Sarah to get three sias, it was probably around seven gallons of flour for three visitors. Little overkill. And not just any flour. In Hebrew, it's so let flour, the choicest, the finest flour there is. Later in the book of Leviticus, it's the solet flour that would be used to make the bread of the presence to be kept in the tabernacle and temple. And then Abraham, while Sarah is working on the cakes, Abraham runs to the herd. 
And where a young goat or a young lamb would have been more than ample and generous, he goes and gets a young bull for three visitors, seven gallons of flour and a bull. And he has his servant prepare it, and then he comes back, and he brings curds, fresh curds, like butter for the cakes, right? And then he also goes and he gets fresh milk. And then the picture we have in our text is that Abraham doesn't even sit at the table with these three guests. But while they sit under the shaded tree and they are replenishing and feasting, Abraham stands by as the waiter to refill their cups and replenish the servings on their plates. Side note, this is the clearest example in the whole Bible of God enjoying himself a very good steak. Holy cow, right? I mean bull. Abraham sets quite a high bar, doesn't he, for a welcoming house. If God comes to our house in Roselle with a couple angels, we will get the finest family-sized deluxe Kraft mac and cheese on the stove. But you know, whenever we have a text in the Bible, the focus is not on the people. The bigger focus is always on God. And if God speaks in that text, pay attention to his words. And if God acts, pay attention to his actions, because that is what it is teaching us about our God. And so what do these verses teach us about our God? First, our text teaches us that we have a God who loves to visit and dine with God his people. In the second testament, when we see God appearing in a real, full male body for good in Jesus Christ, before the resurrection of Jesus and after the resurrection of Jesus, where do we often see Jesus? At a table with his people. And so it's not just that we see this in the First Testament. We see it with Jesus in the New Testament. And you know what picture we have of our God for eternity? Psalm 23, you prepare a table before me. My cup overflows. Isaiah 25 says, God will make a very lavish spread of choice meats and aged wine. And Revelation 19 pictures a marriage supper, a marriage banquet of the Lamb. What's the picture of our God for eternity? A God who loves to visit so he can dine with his people. 
And even this morning, his table is set. His body, his blood, calling you as host to his table to forgive your sins and strengthen you until the day we gather around his heavenly feast. Second thing this text teaches us about our God is not only does God love to visit and dine with his people, but whenever God comes to someone's house, God comes not to be blessed, not to receive this big lavish meal by Abraham, but God always comes to bless. The purpose of his visit to Abraham and Sarah was not to just have a good steak. But later in chapter 18, God told these two senior citizens who were well past childbearing, at this time next year, Abraham and Sarah, by your own loins, you will have a son. God comes not to be blessed, but to bless and in the New Testament, when the Son of God takes on that human form, we're told in Mark 1, he goes into the house of Peter and his brother Andrew. You know what Jesus does in their house? He heals Peter's mother-in-law. And then we're told in Luke chapter 5 that Levi, Matthew, Jesus called him to follow and then Levi made Jesus a great feast in his house and around Matthew's table. There were a lot of tax collectors and other people. And they were all reclining at the table with Jesus because Jesus here is coming to bless, to open his kingdom to all who repent and believe the good news. And then later in Luke chapter 10, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed Jesus into her house. And there Jesus taught Martha that he came to disciple us in his words and ways as his, her sister Mary was sitting at his feet. Friends, when God comes to visit you and your house, whether it's an apartment, whether your house right now is a dorm room or an assisted living center or a house or a condo, he wants to bless you. And if it's forgiveness that you need, he is there to forgive. If it's his peace you need because your heart has been filled with anxiety and worry, he will give you that peace. If it's hope that you need because of a desperate situation, he will come to give you that hope. Whatever that greater need is, it's in Jesus Christ. And he wants to come and visit you wherever your home is. And so as you think about those before us, Abraham, who graciously welcomed the Lord, and also Peter and Andrew and Levi and Martha, this text has an invitation and a challenge for us. 
Is your home, is my home truly open to this guest? And not to just be a welcomed guest in our homes, but to be the very center of it. Let's go back to the welcome mat. Is your home open to this guest? The one who wants to come and eat with you and bless you. If this is your sincere desire, as we wrap up this series, if it's your sincere desire to not just go through keeping a house, but to truly build a Christian home, then I invite you to say this closing prayer together with me. Would you please pray with me? Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let our home by you be blessed. Amen.